Hey, soft-boiled listeners. This is Yesenia, your co-host with the Mo-Ost. <laughs> I don't know if that made sense. Um, but before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to come on and give y'all a little trigger warning. Um, I think y'all are going to love this episode as we dive deeper into my mental health. And I've been through some shit, so... I just want to kind of give a little trigger warning as I don't go into detail about too many things, but I do bring up some sensitive topics that can be triggering for some folks. So as you are listening, um, just kind of be kind to yourself, allow yourself some grace and some room to kind of allow my voice to be channeled in through your speakers or your headphones or whatever you're listening to um, this episode on and just, you know, take care of yourself as some of these Things can bring up your own memories. They can bring up your own feelings and emotions. Um, But most importantly, after this episode, if you are feeling some type of way, um, I always like to engage in some type of body scanning just to kind of listen to my body to see what I need. If I need to take a shower, if I need to take a walk, talk to a friend, do what I do to feel loved, to feel safe, and to feel cared for. Um, I appreciate y'all listening in on this episode, and I hope y'all are excited for getting to know me and my batshit crazy self a little more. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Three, two, one, action. I know you see sometimes we're... Oh, I don't know the lyrics. Never mind. <laughs> what, what was that? From iCarly, the intro. Oh, it's been... It's been too long since I've seen iCarly. I I completely forgot. Ugh, I love iCarly. That that show was so underrated. Yeah, it's just a shame all the you know behind the scenes stuff had to come out after the fact. And now it's uh oh wait no I'm thinking about uh thinking about Victorious. Never mind. That's completely. I mean, it's literally the same writers. I was in it or directors or whatever producers. Uh, Dan Schneider, yeah, but I mean, yeah, you could say the same thing. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, yeah. we're here for another uh talk uh, of our of our mental states, our mentals. Uh, last week it was uh mostly actually it was pretty much all about me. Uh, I, it I, it it wasn't even planned that way. It just sort of happened to shake out that way. Uh, but uh, this week. Uh, Yesenia, it is uh, your turn coming up to bat. We've got uh, from Vacaville, California. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Stepping up to the plate, Yesenia. Uh, Yesenia. I don't know how to say your last name. Damn. After almost 10 years of friendship, you don't know how to say my last name. Yeah, it's a little hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm about to, I'm about to fucking <laughs> expose your full name, sir. I don't even think you know my full name, ma'am. I do. Bullshit. I actually do. That's your initials are DMJ. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about mental health with Yesenia <laughs> coming up next. <laughs> you are now tuned in to the Soft Boiled Podcast with DeAndre and Yesenia. Your one-stop shop for all things relationships. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, Montreux. <laughs> wow, she does know. That's crazy. I do know. I know everyone's middle name. I don't know how, like, do you just, like, keep that in your memory banks for when you need to bust it out? Basically. When I get Merrick in trouble, I be busting out his full last name, all four names. He's got four names? Yep. Now, what's going on in that family? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yes, Yesenia, as I said at the top of the episode, um, we're here to talk about, here to check in with you and talk a little bit about uh, your mental well-being and such. So kind of uh, following up on our convo from last week, uh, I kind of wanted to start out just uh, by some, starting off slow. And we'll get uh, get our feet wet a little bit, and then we'll hit mm-hmm. the ground running. Uh, just you know, it's, you got it. It's the middle of the week. It's a Wednesday. AEW just went off the air. Uh, you are now firmly. How many months are you into your new job? I am about three months, actually. Three. It's going to be four months soon into my job. Nice, nice. And I know you just moved into a new place, a little farther up north, uh, commuting 
from work to home, uh, graduated college or university very recently. Uh, so tell us, tell me, tell the fine folks, how, uh, how are you doing uh, mentally? Where are you at? Are you okay? Are you not okay? Um, let's just start there. Yeah, definitely. Um, as DeAndre said, you know, I, I just moved. I moved in with my brother um, coming from the Bay Area, like deep into the Bay. Um, I was living in Oakland for a while, um, but now I'm back in uh, on the other side of the bridge and graduated college. So I think when it comes to my mental health, um, the word that I used yesterday was I feel very settled, like it's nice not having like homework and studying and reading and, you know, like the pressure of I need to graduate so I can start my career. Um, and at the same time, it just feels nice to not feel stressed from multiple angles or feeling like I'm fighting in different areas or all areas of my life. Um, but even though things are a lot calmer, um, yeah, I still feel like not as depressed as I think I normally am, but I definitely do still feel depressed and anxious. I surprisingly, I'm actually diagnosed with PTSD. Um, still feels a little funny to say that out loud because I've always just been like, oh, I was, you know, I'm depressed and I'm anxious, but it's it's actually PTSD that I have. Um, and now that I know how to. I know the symptoms and I know the the diagnosis qualifications for it. Um, it's kind of weird. I kind of invalidate myself because I kind of associate PTSD with like war veterans type of thing, but it's not just for veterans or right. people in the military. Um, so it just, it feels weird because it's like, I'm so used to a chaotic lifestyle and my lifestyle is not like that right now. It's very calm and routine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it, the way that I describe it to my therapist is like, I feel like I'm missing a piece of myself um, and it's like grieving, like I lost something and it's also like a new side of me is essentially just feeling like there's just so much potential and I don't know how to like enjoy that or feel happy about it because it's kind of freaking me out because I'm like, well, what? What do I do with all this thing, this like piece of me that used to just be filled with chaos and now it's 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 nothing. It's just empty. Um so yeah, that's that's just kind of where I'm at. Yeah, you're trying to like fill the void that was yeah. behind of school because you don't know you've known that life for years and now you don't know what to do with yourself. So it's 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 a transition, of course, you know. Uh I'm sure you you know won't be feeling that way forever obviously once once uh you really start getting knee deep in your your current routine i'm sure what you're feeling before isn't even gonna be in your in your mind anymore mm -hmm. um but kind of uh, let's let's backtrack it a little bit because um i know last week we talked uh, a lot about um sort of like some somewhat of like my upbringing and like some some like childhood traumas and whatnot um things that i think of course that happened uh in my childhood that sort of shaped me who i am and how i deal with uh anxiety and pressures and just all of life's uh hardships i you know i mentioned uh you know i just sort of let everything you know wax on wax off of me which is why a lot of people don't really see me uh, upset or anything like that. I try to keep that, you know, calm and upbeat demeanor, not just for, mm -hmm. you know, the sake of other people, but for myself as well. So Yesenia, how, how do you, you asked me this, uh, last week and this is kind of towards the end, but I'm going to sort of lead off with it. Um, how, how do you feel like you handle, um, taking care of yourself mentally or hell, even physically? Um, honestly, I actually do a shitty ass job at taking care of myself mentally and physically. <laughs> um, physically, it's, it's like a hard habit to break out of because that's, 
it's like a lifestyle I've lived my whole life. And so, um, like on a basic fundamental level, I'm, I'm going to talk about both because I think your physical and your, and your mental and your emotional states are so intertwined. Um, but for my whole life, I, you know, I've, I've never really ate breakfast and breakfast really are the most important meals of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I eat lunch and sometimes I eat dinner, but usually I only have one or two meals a day and I just snack on a bunch of crap. Um, not even good snacks all the time. You know, I'm not going to lie. I love hot Cheetos. You know, I love my Red Bulls. I love my Pepsis. I don't drink so much sodas now. Um, Red Bulls, my God, I'm addicted. Um, I drink a whole lot more water than I think I ever have, but it's really hard trying to incorporate steady meals and then um a balanced snacking uh menu like i try to eat yogurt and granola more um you know fruits more um a little bit of healthier options in combination with my hot cheetos too because i'm not going to give that up let's be real i'm mexican as fuck um but i think because like i'm lacking like basic nutrition and I, I've been exercising more, but I was lacking on exercise for a while too. Mm -hmm. I think that really does impact my mental health because I have high anxiety, which if your body is constantly with increased cortisol levels, like, yeah, you're going to fucking freak the fuck out because you have high cortisol levels. Like you're, it's like the adrenaline, you know, and, and something that really helps balance is that is like nutrition, um, but if your body doesn't know where it's getting its next meal from, it's, it's going to be in, like, survival mode. Um, so when it comes to my mental health, something that I often do is, like, I think I just get stuck in it. Um, like, when I feel sad or anxious, that's kind of all I can feel. Like, I, I can try to talk myself out of it or think positive or take a walk, do whatever I can, but it, it's like, um, you know, those like whole traps out in the woods, like sometimes they're like deep enough that you just can't quite get yourself out of it and you don't know what else to do. So you just stay stuck in there. Um, that's kind of how I get sometimes. Um, but if I, pay enough attention to like the signs like me getting quiet me feeling really angry or irritated like the slightest of things piss me off usually those are like my warning signs of like oh yesenia we need to like stop this before we get into a funk mm -hmm. um so to kind of keep with the analogy it's like if i'm actually paying attention to the ground i'll actually be able to not fall into that hole or into that trap i might trip but I'll catch myself before I fall into the hole. Um, but you know how they say doctors make the worst patients? I, I feel like therapists make the worst patients as well. <laughs> so you say that uh, therapists make the worst patients. Uh, you, mm -hmm. you being a therapist now for the last few months, how do you think that um, listening to other people's um, you know, problems and hardships, do you think that takes a toll? Does that weigh on you a little bit more? Um, it sometimes does. I think, well, now I'm kind of just doing like basic therapy, like your typical, like sit down on a chair and like talk therapy. Um, I think before I was doing a lot of work with teens, you know, like wanting to like attempt suicide um so i think coming from that type of environment to this current environment it feels slow for me um but when i have those patients who like for example you know like they're migrating from different countries they're escaping like war and just like domestic terrorism um they've been victims of some type of like brutal violence um they've, they're coming out of domestic violence you know like those harder cases they actually make me feel energized and i think those cases actually make me feel like it's it's for people like you who need spaces like this 
that remind me as to why I get a job. I'm, I'm in this job in the first place. Um, so sometimes it can be really fulfilling. And then I'm not going to lie. There's sometimes where I, where I have what we call compassion fatigue. And it's, or I think sometimes it can also be called like empathy f- fatigue, which is basically like, sometimes I just don't really have feels to give, you know, or like, yeah, you're all I out. don't, yeah. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be the therapist though, right? Like I, I'm still providing like coping skills, offering support. Um, but it kind of goes into that like autopilot mode. Um, not that it's not as sincere, but I kind of resort back to like basic textbook um, support. Now, uh, you said something uh, that kind of got me thinking because um, I don't even think I really know. Like, where where did you sort of want to start this journey of like therapy and um, helping people through through uh you know, like you said, you helped kids, you know, through suicide and whatnot. Um, like how, how did, how did you get started, you know, down this path, down this journey of wanting to help, you know, pretty much help people at their lowest, you know, like it takes a special kind of person to want to do something like do, do what you do. And, you know, you, you were passionate about it. You love it. Um, and that's, you know, that's a sight to behold. Like, so how did you get started in all this? Uh, when I was 10, my younger brother was born and when he was about three or four, um, it's actually, I mean, I think we noticed it when kids start to like walk and mumble and babble and stuff that he just wasn't doing those things. Um, but when he was like three, four, five, maybe he was diagnosed with autism, um, and you know, back in 2007, there wasn't that much knowledge, education, or resources for folks on the spectrum. And it was a really hard journey to figure out, like, how do you help a kid be normal, so to speak, right? Um, And I'm going to speak from the point of, like, family as a sibling, not from, like, the therapist's point of view. So I'm probably not going to use politically correct terms, and I don't really care about it right now. Um... But yeah, like we just we wanted a, nor- a normal brother, you know. We wanted him to be talking, walking. We wanted to know what he sounded like. You know, we just wanted him to be normal. Um and it's it's not what it is today. Um so I remember kind of being there for like his therapy appointments, like occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, like any type of therapy. We pretty much did for him. Um, but ultimately, like, he was pretty severe. So he's going to always be dependent on somebody. Like, one of us will always have to take care of him. He doesn't talk. Um, like, sorry, I'm getting sentimental. Um, yeah, like, he will always need one of us. And it's kind of hard to think about, like, I just wish he was born into like the greatest family that had all this money and all the resources to make sure he's always good. And that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of him, it's it's really what started the journey for me. Um, originally, I wanted to work with kids on the spectrum. And then, I don't know, I just kind of transitioned. I think because I was already living the life, it was like kind of traumatizing to 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 go home to it and then to be at work for it too you know um so i kind of just switched directions and then i became a middle school counselor and i worked with just you know middle schoolers who were depressed and anxious and had adhd and you know that had special needs um or other disabilities and i really just liked being able to be like a an adult that understood what it was like to be a teenager, you know. Right. Um obviously we focus on trying to get them in class and getting their schoolwork done, but it really made me feel like I had I had certain like clients, like certain students that were like you know, Miss Yesenia, like you just really get it. Like you're the only adult who really gets it. 
And it it made me feel good, you know, because it's like, I remember what it's like being a teenager. You know what it was like to be a teenager, you know? Like, adults fucking sucked when we were teenagers. And oh, yeah. It felt good to kind of be with students. And I and I treated them with respect, you know? I, I took their word for it, like, how they felt and what they were going through. And I think ultimately it transitioned into me just kind of taking a step back from, like, the autism world and then stepping into the therapy world. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I got here. And then, you know, I liked psychology. Um, I was going to go to school for cognitive psychology. What is that, you may ask? I still have no idea to this day. Something about the brain. <laughs> um, but then I realized social work is just a more broadened field and you can do a lot more with it. So I decided to do social work instead. Um, so eventually, you know, I, I want to be a supervisor. Um, I want to, you know, be in management. Um, but still also figure out ways to to make change at the like state level and like, you know, implement laws and advocate for resources, especially in Solano County, because Solano County, you know, that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. We have shit resources like there's nothing for like the public and communities and it and it fucking sucks. And that's why, you know, you hear I'm going to get political real quick. We always talk about, like, vote for your, like, president and shit, but, like, voting for your, like, state representatives and your, um, like, Congress people and your, like, local authorities, you know, like, all that shit is equally as important because... Yeah, your legislators. Yeah, like, they're, they're the ones actually doing the work for your communities and your towns and your, your, like, what are they called? Your sections or whatever the fuck they're called? Um... Your districts. Yeah, there you so, go. So, um, yeah, those those ones are just as important, if not more important, because that's where you're going to actually see change. So, yeah, if you don't vote, y'all, at least vote at your local level, please. Yeah, absolutely, because, like you said, we didn't have the resources then, and certain counties, ours especially, doesn't really, it's still, uh, you know, like... uh. It's a wasteland <laughs> out mm-hmm. here for people, um, you know, trying to get help. But of course, you know, we have people like you uh, doing and your your colleagues, you know, doing doing the Lord's work right now. Like, I know it's hard out there and, you know, they some days are easier than others. Some days are harder than others. But like we need people like you uh, to, you know, continue to fight the good fight because Lord knows like everybody needs an outlet for for you know to just talk about stuff and just vent um much like how i did last week uh i sort of touched upon uh like my childhood uh experiences and like one Mm -hmm. in particular that like really stuck with me that like like you mentioned the word uh like childhood trauma that Mm -hmm. just sort of like sticks that just sort of like stuck with you whether or not it affected me is it is like different but like just just something like a memory that has like always stuck with me now you and i are uh minorities uh Mm -hmm. i'm black you are you are mexican uh we uh i am a man by i I guess in the most biological sense of the word uh you are a woman uh you i'm sure you have had a completely different um upbringing uh, than I have, I'm sure, and, and I and correct me if I'm wrong, but you being Latina means that came with a lot more restrictions than mm-hmm. I'm sure your brothers or or your you know your your male um, family members got. So, like, what kind of like childhood was it like growing up in a in a Latina in a Latino family? I <laughs> growing up. As, like, not only am I just, like, a woman in my family, but it's, like, I'm the first daughter. I'm I'm the second oldest, so my older brother's older. Um, but, man, did that come with the gender roles. Like, I couldn't go to any friends' house. I couldn't go to sleepovers. I had a curfew. I obviously wasn't allowed to have boyfriends. Like... I had to help my mom cook and clean and like take care of my sister and kind of watch over my brother. Um, it it kind of felt like I kind of felt trapped growing up. Um, and I feel like 
it there was like a lot of the time where I felt like it was just unfair, you know, like my brother got to go with his friends' places and his friends would come over um to a certain extent because you know because my older brother was older my mom didn't want his his friends around you know a younger girl like me and we're kind of close in age um and you know the the hidden those hidden messages that come with you know like oh like i don't want other boys around your age that your brother's friends you know at my house type of thing um without her having to actually say it um but honestly, like, there were times where I just felt trapped, and I felt like my mom hated me, and I felt like I, like, I was only good for just, like, taking care of everybody else and everything else. Um, and, it, and it created some really fucked up habits for me, you know, like, I remember coming home, like, I had to come straight home every day from school, start cooking, help my sister with her homework, you know, make sure my brother was okay, um, help, you know, my mom would get home. Oh, and then clean and stuff too, right? And then my mom would get home. We would finish making dinner and then we would eat. And then I would have to go upstairs and clean my room from like getting ready that morning. And then I would do my homework. So now as an adult going through college and grad school, I used to like cook and like meal prep and then clean and then organize and do hella shit before... I could do my homework. Like, if I try to sit down and do my homework, like, right after school, I would just, like, have so much anxiety that all these other things need to do. Like, I would need to do them first. And so it became this habit to the point where, like, I remember when I was living with my previous partner, I would be up at, like, 11 o'clock p.m., like, cleaning because I couldn't focus until, like, shit was done. And I could not do homework or study or anything school related until everything else was done. Um, so it's like shit like that that I think about. And I'm just like, I know it comes with the traditional um, like Hispanic culture. You know, my mom also didn't have parents growing up. So I don't have grandparents. I only have one grandma and it's my dad's mom. Um But my mom's parents basically abandoned her and, like, moved on with life and had more kids and stuff. My mom didn't have parents growing up. She was, you know, she didn't know how to parent. Um, And I get, and I, I have a lot of, like, sometimes it's resentment and then sometimes it's grace and empathy. Um, Obviously, like, it pisses me off because I was impacted by somebody else's choices two generations before me. Um, obviously growing up, I didn't have that much patience for my mom, you know, um, but it's like being an adult now, I, I really respect the fact that like my mom chose to keep us. My mom chose to be a mom to us. She could have continued the cycle and walked away and did whatever she did, you know, following her mom's footsteps and her dad's footsteps, but she chose to like stay with us and keep us and have us with her. Regardless if we had a thousand dollars or negative a thousand dollars, you know, like we're her kids. She she'll go to the fucking ends of the world for us. Um and growing up I just didn't understand that. Um and then, you know, like shit happened to me when I was younger. Um and so I think my mom also just felt kind of guilt that she couldn't protect me in those moments and then really you know, cracked the whip and and put the chains on me and refused to let me do anything because she was scared I would get hurt again. Um, but it was it was a rough childhood. Um, it was yeah, it was really rough. Oh. I don't know if that answers your question. Sorry, like my mind just started going completely off. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think that answers my question and then some. Honestly, um, so. Um... With I know you grew up in a single parent household um, for like all of your life. Yeah. Is that correct? I mean, I don't necessarily call it single parent because I have both parents. And I think it's just more of like my. I don't know how I would explain it. I would I would my mom had as majority of the time. Uh huh. 
but then at the same time it was like 50 50 because my dad didn't work on like every other wednesday he would be off so he would pick us up every other wednesday and we would be with him through the sunday and then we would be at my mom's or if we were sick my mom would send us to our dad's house so technically i wasn't raised in a single parent household mm, i see i see yeah that makes a lot more sense. like yes yeah, single parent because each parent were single and they were like raising us separately but, but they were both present but they were both present yeah uh interesting interesting uh if only i could say the same anyway um so with that uh did you always feel like you were supported in your decisions like whether it be like school work friends or anything like that like did you always feel like the support from your from your mom or dad or really like whoever you looked for for guidance um i think when it comes to school yes like they really push school on me a lot on all of us um but that's because neither of my parents had finished high school um they ended up getting like geds later on but you know they didn't go to college at all so for me i mean my brother he was like he dropped out and then had to go back to finish school and then or he didn't technically dropped out. Let me let me rephrase that. Uh, he was kicked out of regular school and then went to continuation school and then graduated from there. But school wasn't his thing. Like, my brother had better things to do, realistically. Um, so for me, I just, I wasn't allowed to do sports. I wasn't allowed to have, like, you know, involvement in, like, extracurriculars. So school was the only thing I was, like, technically good at. Um, it just came really easy for me. So they both really supported me with continuing school and that also meant like figuring out what the cheapest options were going to be because i don't come from money my parents aren't rich you know they're not well off we are still considered like l like low ses you know um technically which is fucking wild um so my schooling my like undergrad i paid for well technically the government paid for because best motherfucking believe i used every type of aid that there was and grad school i mean i had to pull out loans but i'm also gonna let the government fucking handle that shit too um so that was really the only time i ever actually felt supported but i had friends growing up but man oh man let me just tell you this my mom would let me know which friends were real and which friends were not and i used to get so annoyed when she would be like i don't like that little friend of yours because i didn't get it but then that friend would betray me or something would happen and me and that friend would fall off and then i like would get so annoyed because then i was like my mom was right about this person um but a lot of the times you know i think my mom just knew because okay so Sometimes my friends would like say shit because I was like in quote unquote the white people classes, aka just like AP classes, and like I wasn't a Mexican with double English and double math. Really, that's kind of what it boiled down to. Mm -hmm. At least my narrative of it is that's what it boils down to because uh, their perspective could be different. So I think my mom just saw that like I had so much more potential and I was hanging around with people who were willing to settle. Um, and they didn't try to like educate, not that they didn't try to educate themselves more, but I guess like challenge their education more. Yeah. And I was always a nerd and I was just fortunate that school came easily for me. Um, so, you know, in terms of other stuff, I mean, emotionally, I didn't feel supported. Um, my dad was kind of a cool dad for me, like between him and my mom, I always went to my dad for things like my dad was my best friend for years. You know, up until like my early 20s. Um, but yeah, like I said, I felt like my mom hated me and my dad gave me so much freedom and so much like street knowledge. So I really gravitated towards my dad mm -hmm. for a certain amount of years. But yeah. Uh, I know you for pretty much the entire time that I've known you, um, you've been a very. Uh, anxious person um do, does that like come from something or has have you just like always been that way or is there like a moment that like maybe sort of sparked it or triggered it in a sense 
Um, I have two memories of like feeling anxiousness. So the first one I'm going to tell you, it's, it's the only memory I have of my parents. And I think it's more like feeling like scared than anxious, but maybe it could have started there. And then I'll tell you the second memory. And that's for me, the moment that I feel like my anxiety has started. Um, so the, for the first memory, um, my parents split up for domestic violence. Um, you know, my, my dad was very physically abusive. Um, and so my only memory of my parents were like domestic, it was domestic violence, you know, like my, my dad was abusing my mom. Um, and my mom was like calling out and like, I went to go like, look, and then it was kind of like, look what your dad's doing to me, like call the cops. And then my dad's like, no, don't call the cops. And then I, I felt very conflicted because I didn't know what to do. Um, I don't really remember the results of that, but I remember feeling very scared. Like, what do I do? My mom's being hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the first memory and that just like feeling of helplessness. Right. Um, is that where my anxiety stems from? Maybe, maybe not. But then the, the actual memory of a repeated cycle a repeated behavior of what I feel like my anxiety really comes from. So I was in fourth grade and it was the night before starting a new school. We had just moved. It was right after the, the Christmas break, you know, so everyone's coming back from Christmas vacation and, and I had to start a new school cause I moved. And I remember I was laying down and you know, when you close your eyes, how it's just like dark, like it's, there's nothing cause your eyes are closed. Obviously Yep. it made me think about like, oh, like, is this what it looks like when I die? And then my mind went to like, what happens when we die? Like, do I know that I'm dead? And if so, like, do I get to like, have a soul that kind of like wanders the earth? But then what happens in like a 100 years from now? Like, am I going to witness what comes to be of my like lineage or my children or great grandchildren or the earth? And then the day that the earth explodes, and I apologize if I'm causing anyone anxiety <laughs> while I explain this, but thinking about fourth grade, that's 2004, so I'm like nine years old, like, this is what my mind was thinking about, you know, like, what happens after we die? And do I know that I'm dead type thing? And it freaked me the fuck out, like, I went crying to my mom's room. And I had asked her, like, I'm scared to die. Like, what happens when we die? And I'm, like, crying. And she just tells me to go sleep with her. And that was the first time I had that experience. And it continued for years. Like, years and years and years. Um, I would freak the fuck out. And it would only be before bed. And I don't know if there was anything that kind of led up to it beforehand. I talk about it in therapy a lot because... I went to a lot of feud. I've been to more funerals than I've been to baby showers and weddings put together. Um, Same. Yeah. So it's, I've been around a lot of death, but I think even for a nine year old, like, I don't know. I think that's just such a like eloquent concept to think about. Um, and so the last time I freaked out about it, it was about two years ago, but I was in the midst of like a very messy relationship, basically like very toxic relationship in the midst of like a stressful ass grad school experience, you know, Berkeley wasn't meeting our demands. They weren't providing a quality education. We were fighting with Berkeley. At the same time, I had like a racist supervisor who was basically trying to pull the like scary black girl and angry Mexican Latina card. Um, so I was fighting everything in life at the time. And it was like, I was sleeping and then I had a nightmare and I woke up. And I was scared to die. And I was scared of what happens after we were dying, like after I'm dead. And that was like two years ago. And that was kind of like the last time I've had that like panic attack, I guess you could say, because it was damn near a panic attack. Um, But like now the anxiety just kind of manif manifests in like, what do people think about me? Like future oriented things, feeling worried about my future, feeling like uneasy about my decisions, constantly having to like, Think of every possible solution or outcome of a situation, 
you know, things like that. Like your typical anxiety shit. Yeah. Um, and how, how do you like deal with that? Like on a, on a, like a daily basis, you know, when your mind starts racing with all these thoughts and everything is, do you have like a ritual or do you like meditate or, you know, do you call someone? Um, so I guess like more like quote unquote natural coping skills that I do, um, is like I journal, like I just write everything that comes to my head, even if it doesn't make sense. Um, and the purpose for that is really just to kind of get the thoughts out of your head and onto paper. Um, sometimes I used to burn the paper. Um, and sometimes I would just like rip out the pages and throw it away to kind of like have a physical symbol of like I'm throwing away these thoughts. Um, exercise for a while I was doing really good with like running. I'm trying to get back into that right now because it really does help with anxiety. Um, anytime you can physically move your body for people suffering from anxiety, whether it's like dancing, running, hiking, going to the gym, Pilates, yoga, um, like it really does help because it's a bunch of like adrenaline and cortisol that's going through your body, right? So like physical movement can be helpful. Um, I like doing Sudoku and like word searches. Um, as funny as it sounds, like playing Animal Crossing actually has been really therapeutic uh playing sims but not to play sims but to build houses oh my god building houses has been one of my og coping skills um and then also honestly hanging out with you guys like i haven't really had friends that take my anxiety away but when i hang out with you guys it's not that present um and then actually three years ago almost three years ago I started taking an SSRI, um, which is an antidepressant, antidepressant, basically it, um, helps release more serotonin in your brain because a lot of times when you're anxious or depressed or you're having those symptoms, um, your brain is just lacking serotonin. So your neural pathways aren't getting enough chemicals to basically make you happy. So I take one that's called Lexapro. Um, I take it every day, at least. I should be taking it every day. I've been more consistent this time around. Sometimes I fall off. Um, but when I'm consistent, it really does make a difference. And to give y'all like an example, sometimes I would go to Ikea and then I would call Merrick in a fucking panic because the showroom said something was in stock. But then when I went to the warehouse, it wasn't. And I would, like, cry and, like, hyperventilate and freak the fuck out. Like, a typical, like, first world problem freak out, right? But when I'm actually taking my antidepressants, I can go to the warehouse, see that it's not in stock, and then I could be like, damn, I drove out here for nothing, and then leave, and I'm fine. Um, so, sometimes medication, I was hella not trying to take medication. I was so against it. Um, but the way that someone explained it to me was, like, your brain isn't getting enough chemicals to give you a buffer. It's not giving you any wiggle room to comprehend that, like, you are fine. You're you're not in danger. You're just you're just fucking feeling shitty. Um, and so starting antidepressants actually has helped me, like, recognize like my brain is just lacking chemicals, and it's it's not me. I'm not the problem. Nothing I'm doing is an issue. It's I'm not in danger, you know, 99% of the time. It's, it's literally my brain is not functioning the way it should be. The chemicals are not happening. The chemicals are not there. So chemical intervention has been really helpful for me, for sure. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I did want to kind of touch on, like, something that you were talking about, like, with the being active thing. Like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's crazy how, like, just being like even just active for like 15 20 minutes a day whether you're doing like an at-home workout like push-ups sit-ups squats like the bare minimum or you're going to the gym and getting a lift in for an hour hour and a half and you're pumping iron or you're on the treadmill the whole time like uh working out really can uh pull pull you out of a rut and it's one of the most natural forms of um like getting like that dopamine high that dopamine rush it it literally mm -hmm. it literally can pull you it can literally just make you happy like being active and working out that kind of stuff like if anyone is ever like depressed or feeling down or upset like 
literally work out. And I'm not just saying that like from like my personal experience, like it has been like proven personal trainers will tell you up and down. If you feel sick, if you feel any sort of type of way, get a workout in. Even if you don't want to, even if you don't feel like it, you will feel so much better after the fact. Like it's it's absolutely insane. I didn't believe them until until I started doing it. And I was like, oh my god, I am. This is this is fucking awesome. I should have been I should have been listening like ten years ago, but I'm a little hard headed. But I know now, and I I try to take a uh, a little bit better care of myself in that aspect. It's really like, so my, my patients that I see that have anxiety or depression or just struggling with mental health, it's literally one of those things where like, you just got to get up and do it. There's no, mm-hmm. you can try to schedule it. You can try to like dedicate specific time, but ultimately you just have to engage in what we call is it's called opposite action, which is doing the opposite of what your instinctive emotional response is. Um, So if you're depressed, you want to isolate or withdraw. If you're anxious, you want to avoid. So opposite action would just be like doing it. And that's that's literally it. Just for exercise, you just got to get up and do it. Mm -hmm. Um, As someone who literally has struggled with that, (laughs) that's literally how you started. And then every day you check off is just another day to feel rewarding for it, you know. So I also am a big fan of extrinsic and intrinsic rewards so buying myself something like a treat for you know working on my mental health and then hyping me up helping hyping myself up in the mirror once i do a good job with my mental health um just to make myself feel good about it you know absolutely giving yourself those little rewards those little treats to keep you motivated to keep moving forward uh I I only have a couple more questions here. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them, uh, at any point in the last maybe like year or so, or even maybe like recently, uh, have you ever felt just, um, yeah, have you ever just felt stuck, I guess would be the way to describe it? Oh, for sure. I think I feel stuck a lot of times. Um, I think more so right now because I'm in, like I was saying, like I'm in this place in life where i feel settled i'm not like super disengaged emotionally and at the same time nothing really feels fulfilling you know i don't feel happy i don't feel like super depressed but i know i'm depressed you know i know i'm anxious um so you know something i I tell my therapist all the time is like i just feel like i'm in this place of like well now what like i'm not stressed i'm not suffering because of school i'm not with a man who's cheating on me or disrespecting me or you know sneaking behind my back and texting these other little bitches type thing like i'm not with fake ass friends that are talking shit behind my back you know like financially i could be better but it's because i buy my stupid shit you know like my funko pops and stuff um this barbie doll yeah and this barbie doll um so it's like I know my circumstances are a lot better than what they used to be. And I don't know how to move forward, if that makes sense. And maybe it's because I'm so used to chaos that I, like, go out looking for it. Um, But it's really hard to, like, sit back and be like, I ain't got shit going on, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, It feels like. It's like you're a girl who is used to toxic relationships and chaos and violence. And then when you get with a guy that treats you right, you're like, well, this is boring. This is stupid. What am I doing? Literally. Yes. I grew up in in, in the hood with fucking gun violence and gangs and drugs and, you know, like fucking suffered in school with being a fucking smarty pants, doing straight A work and study habits that involves people getting straight A's, right? Like, and then working a full-time job, like, all these things, like, your your environments are so chaotic and messy and unsafe, and now you're just an adult mm-hmm. with safety and somewhat stability, and it's like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what what's come of my life? Um, and I appreciate it. I appreciate being able to say that I know I'm safe and I know I'm feeling a lot more stable and... 
the other side of it is also like I'm missing something. There's something missing. There's a part of me that's missing and I miss it. And it's learning to really let that go. Um, so that's what, that's why I feel stuck. It's just like, I have to let it go. And it's not a bad thing, but I feel like it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, what's something or what, what, what do you think is the most important thing you've learned about your mental health uh, recently? Mm. Ooh. Um, I think something, it's not super recent, but I guess it's with, within this past year, um, a year ago, actually, like, to, to the month, um, is, like, how good it feels to be loved by people. Um, so, like, this time last year was, like, the last time I was feeling suicidal, and... I really was like, I was going through it last September and, you know, it, it was a result of, you know, someone triggering childhood wounds and teenage wounds. And I was like, why the fuck am I, here I am, you know, 27, still trying to work on myself for what, for one person to remind me that I should have been dead this whole time. So I was like, not that I was thinking of a way to kill myself, but I was like, on the verge of creating a plan type shit. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends caught me acting hella different and was like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? And she, she checked me. She was like, Nope, we're not doing that. Um, and if it wasn't for her, I don't know if I'd actually be here right now. So like, shout out to Letty cause man, I'm so happy I met you. Um, and I'm also sorry if you don't want me to drop your name, but also there's a million Letty's out in the world, but you Letty are my favorite Letty. So I love you. We love, um, you. We love you, Letty. We love you, Letty. Um, so, you know, I think it it took a minute for me to, like, really accept that I have friends who love me. And I, I know I've been friends with you all for so long and stuff. But, like, like I was saying last episode, you know, y'all are, our interests are similar. But y'all have known each other a lot longer. Like, y'all play video games together. I'm just kind of always here in the background. Um, so sometimes it does feel a little disconnecting. Um, but I think like, like I said, like my friend Lethe was the first person to like, kind of make me like realize that, yeah, my friends actually love me. Um, and I think that was the biggest piece that the love that I show you all as friends is reciprocated. Um, which is something I don't think I let myself believe for a long time. So, um, that was pretty cool. And just you know, with my roommate, you know, Jessica, like, there was times where I was feeling like, because she had gotten into her current relationship at the time, it was fresh, and I felt like I was missing my friend, and so just being able to, like, even tell her, like, hey, like, I miss hanging out with you, can we set some time to hang out, you know? Like, I, I would, I joke, and I'm like, oh, I feel abandoned. Um, But it, it was cool to be able to say that, and her be like, fuck yeah, like, let's, you know, dedicate Fridays to hanging out. Um, And, like, for her to just reciprocate the love that I feel for her back to me too, you know? And so last September was really when I started learning that I, I can ask my friends for love and it's okay to do that. Um, and then how that transcends into like, just because I love people doesn't make me any less of a person. And just because those people love me back doesn't mean that I'm needy or doesn't mean that I'm asking for too much. Um, and I think once I learned that, it really has changed the way that I engage in, like, my relationships, like, my my friendships, you know? Uh, oh, that was really, that was really great. I'm gonna, I'm clapping. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but <laughs> <laughs> that was really, that was, that was really great to hear, honestly. Um, I only have a couple more questions. I mean, really, like, two. They're two, two-part questions. Uh, okay. The first one is, uh what um what do you wish you spent more time doing and like less time doing um i wish i would spend less time at work so i can spend more time like at like non-crowded gyms or like being able to like go somewhere like nice to hike and not just like pena adobe or like um what's it called rockville and fairfield like 
I want to go to like an actual like place where you can kind of like quote unquote hike. Um, I wish I spent more time doing that, like being outdoors basically. Um, hey, y'all, and y'all then I y'all hikes, man. I don't, I don't get it. I just like being out in nature and just feeling the sun on my skin. Honestly, like I'm not a fan of it too. Like the idea of walking, I guess you can say, but it's like it's it's different when you're just able to feel at peace and you don't have an agenda you don't have a time frame you know um just kind of getting lost and then i i also wish i spent more time like engaging in my creativity because i think i'm a pretty crafty person like i crochet i paint i can draw um i'm i've been hella into graphic art and like playing on canva and stuff and on like adobe and like the sketchbook on my ipad so I, I wish I kind of spent more time engaging in my creative side and like less time at work and less time on the computer as cliche as that sounds too. Or like not computer, but like on my phone, on electronics. Um, but then with Canva and my sketchbook and Adobe, like those are also on electronics. So yeah. It's like a meeting of the minds at that point. Yep. Uh, and kind of to round out, um, this conversation uh sort of like how you asked me at the end of ours uh what are what do you think you're doing well to take care of your mental health and what do you think you could be doing better i think you kind of already answered one of them earlier but we're just gonna put all of the thoughts into one one space here towards the end so yeah what do you think you're doing well and what do you think you could be doing better um I think something I can be doing better is being more mindful of the mind-body connection and really just taking care of my physical body. Um, because at the, end of, at the end of the day, like, it all does tie in together. Like, that idea of, like, you are what you eat. If you eat like shit, you're going to feel like shit, you know? Like, if you're going to starve yourself, you're going to starve your emotions. Like, it's, it's so intertwined and interconnected and i know that and i and it bugs me that i have the knowledge i have the education and i have the resources to fix that um it's honestly just fucking laziness and that laziness comes from the the depression like the the lack of motivation um i need to i need to rephrase that it's not laziness it's the lack of motivation that comes with symptoms of depression because we aren't lazy um that's definitely something that's embedded in like hispanic culture and that's why mental health knowledge in hispanic culture is so fucking important um i used to get called lazy a lot but it's like no sorry parents i'm fucking depressed i'm not lazy (laughs) um anyway so it's like i want to be able to to better my physical health too because i think once i i pay more attention to that i'll notice more uh benefits to my mental health Mm -hmm. so that's something i can do better um something i feel like i'm already doing great at or i'm do- I'm already doing well is or there's like a few things so like one i think i normalize the fuck out of my own mental health and i think because i've done that i've noticed at least in our like ramen raider group i think a lot of us talk way more about our mental health than we used to ever um i would hope that i played a part in that and like normalizing it having these open conversations with y'all about it that y'all feel comfortable to name that with each other too or that's something I'll have already done and it has nothing to do with me. So it could be the narcissist in me. It could be the ego. But whatever it is, I like the fact that I talk about it because I think it also gives people the room to talk about their mental health. Um, I'm the type of person that helping others does make me feel good. So anytime that I advocate for other people or help other people, it actually does help me too. Um, so I think I do that pretty well. Especially because nowadays I actually set boundaries. So if I don't have anything to give, I actually stop nowadays. I don't keep trying to give. Um, so like, I guess that's another thing is like setting boundaries and really sticking to them. Specifically with my family, my Hispanic family. Excuse me. Um, learning how to set boundaries and saying no to your parents is beautiful. Fucking beautiful. Being a Latina, being a first-gen Latina telling your mom no i'm not in the mood for this i don't have capacity for this chef's kiss i love you mom but or and i should say 
Sometimes I just, I just emotionally cannot. But because I've done that, she's also learned to do that too. Um, and then I would say just like, I think I'm a lot kinder to myself. I feel like I'm a lot kinder to myself. I can still be hard on myself, but I've, sorry, I have become kinder to myself and I want to continue being kind to myself because I am way too hard on myself and I've, I've done a lot. I've been through a lot. I've had to face a lot and I always see those damn Instagram like pictures of like me to my younger self you know and it's like the pokemon edition or like sailor moon edition or whatever but it's really kind of just thinking you know literally asenio went through a lot and now as an adult i really just want to continue like letting her be at peace and like letting her rest and just kind of enjoying life for what it is now and that's why I buy my Funko Pops and my fucking Barbie dolls and my, you know, Hello Kitty shit and journal and I'm in therapy every week and taking antidepressants. So that way I can just do more of feeling joy and happiness where I can get it and not feel so like stuck and scared and and crappy, you know. Okay. Because <clears throat> yeah, at the end of the day, we just want you to be happy. We want you to be healthy. And like you said a few minutes ago, talking about it is okay. And I think at the end of both of our conversations, that's kind of what all this boils down to is ladies and gentlemen, no matter where or when you're listening to this, it is okay to talk about your struggles, your mental health. Uh, You are not a weirdo. You are not a burden. It is okay. You are just like everybody else. Whether or not yeah. people talk about it or not, like it's we're we're all we're all in the same boat, <laughs> you know. We're all trying to get through this game called life. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. No one said it was going to be easy. Uh, you know, life is just what you make of it. You know. Yeah, and you know, if if you're someone that's struggling with your mental health, you know, there's there's definitely steps you can take. Um, if you have friends that you feel like you can trust or family members you feel like you trust, you know. Just being able to talk to them, you know, you can always ask your doctor, you know, what their mental health services look like, um, asking your insurance, your medical insurance, what mental health services there are to offer, check your local community clinic, um, seeing if they offer mental health resources. Um, you know, most importantly, try not to judge yourself for the thoughts and feelings that you're having because they are normal. You know, it is, they are um worth paying attention to um and at the same time like they're normal like we all kind of go through things whether or not people talk about them um but we all have our own battles that we either talk about or we keep to ourselves and that doesn't make us any different or less than it just you know gives us that room to kind of figure out how we want to manage them um i think something else people can do to really talk about mental health specifically talking about your own mental health is just Practicing naming your emotions when you feel them, like in the car, if you're by yourself, when you're in the room by yourself. Um, And then obviously, like if you're struggling or just having a difficult time, you can't really talk to anybody. You can always call the 988 crisis lifeline number. Um, I don't necessarily call it the suicide hotline number anymore either because not all the times I feel like you got to be suicidal. Um, Sometimes you're just kind of really going through some shit and you just need to talk to somebody. Um, But it's still also an option if you are having suicidal thoughts or you're having a plan um, and you need to talk to somebody to get some help. But the more that we talk about it, the more that we can create resources for it, the more this conversation becomes part of everyday conversation and the more that we're actually able to get resources to just tell people about, especially if they're going through stuff, you know, it it shouldn't be this hard to get mental health resources at this fucking 2023 age slash year but yeah here we are well said and when this episode goes up uh we will uh like we did last week we'll be putting up uh those resources um up on the instagram uh so people can get a better visualization of some resources you can contact for uh some 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 support um yes you know reach out talk to someone it's okay None of this shit is taboo. We're all in this together, much like High School Musical. 
Mm-hmm. We're all in this together. And with that, you know, we want to say thank you. I personally want to say thank you for listening to a little bit more about my story. Um, but overall, we just want to thank our listeners for allowing us to still be here on our lovely podcast, listening in while you're driving to work. Shout out to Teddy or cleaning your room or just listening because you've made it part of your Friday routine. Um, but at the end of the day, like we wouldn't really be here without y'all listeners. So we appreciate y'all for giving us this platform to talk about these things. Cause like we said, mental health matters. Mental health matters and you matter. And we love you for listening. We love you for sticking around for another week. Fantastic week of uh, soft boiled with Yesenia and DeAndre listening to me talking to third person. Um, we've got some exciting topics coming up. Uh, we've got two guests lined up, hoping to get them on very, very soon because I am very excited to for these for these next topics that that I've got lined up for them. I actually think uh, I think the listening audience will enjoy them. Uh, but in the meantime, you've been great. Yesenia, you've been awesome. Thank you for opening up. Uh, a little bit more about your mental health. Um, and we appreciate you, the listening audience, on another Friday. Drive safe. If you're driving, stay safe wherever you are. Thank you for another fantastic week. And you have just been a soft boy. Mm-hmm.